just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Speaking of Influence. My name is John Ball, and today I am being joined live on StreamYard by a really cool guy who is helping people create and deliver and make money from online courses and programs. So if you have ever thought about creating an online course or program and seeing if you can make some extra income from this, then Dan Netting is going to be someone you're going to want to hear from. We'll be speaking with Dan after the titles. Welcome to Speaking of Influence, the podcast for speakers and professionals or anyone who wants to present with impact. Hosted by presentation persuasion coach John Ball. Remember to like and subscribe. If you're thinking of starting a podcast, there couldn't be an easier way to get started than getting started with Buzzsprout. They have all the tools and resources you need for starting a podcast and getting out to all the major podcasting networks. Check out the link in the show notes and get your podcast started today. Okay, well, hi, Dan. Welcome to Speaking of Influence. Hello, thanks for having me. Uh, today, we're talking about online courses and programs, and you're a great guy to speak about that because that's what you're helping people to do. So I very cleverly called our episode today Sources for Courses. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're talking about. Anyone who's uh, watching or listening in, if you have questions for Dan, anything about online courses and programs, put them in the chat box. We'll try and come to them uh, a bit later on in our call. Uh, but Dan, first of all, um, introduce yourself. Tell us a bit more about you and, and what it is you're actually doing. Yeah, so right now, I mean, the broader scale is helping people deliver their information online. Um, typically, I work with people that are already solving problems in some capacity and just helping them create signature programs and signature courses online because there's a very big difference between just throwing some information together in some videos versus creating something that delivers true transformation. So that's the big thing I'm working on now. But for, for quite a few years now, I've been running another online business, um, teaching motorcycle riders how to ride around racetracks, which I was running for about eight years now, um, which has kind of led me down this path of when I realized that I could get people results in a very traditionally offline-based industry uh, to transition to doing that to help other people just break away from that um, trading time for money aspect of like a service-based type of business and just helping people mm. do that moving forward. Now, um, teaching motorcycle course riding is, is a pretty specific niche, uh, is and and you're still doing that as well. Yeah, still doing it. Yeah, so um, it was way back in I think it was twenty yeah twenty twelve. So it would have been a bit more than nine years now. Um, yeah. It was a time when I was making a big pivot myself in terms of what I was trying to build online. I, I dabbled with some other things before that, but there was a big shift happening in the online space where in order to, to break out and get attention from people, you needed to provide genuine value. Right. You couldn't just game Google anymore and just throw some stuff out there to try and make some money. It was 
you know, you had to come and provide value and help people. So at that time, it was like, what am I good at? What do I absolutely love? Um, and I was a few years into my life on the track. I'd reached a really good level. I understood it very deeply. Like most things I get into, I just go right down into it and try and figure things out. Uh, so that was the topic I ended, decided to run with. And it just kind of grew from there, basically. Yeah, you you took your transferable skills and now you're helping other people achieve those results. Uh, is there a particular kind of person that you generally find yourself working with in online courses and programs or is it a real mix? So I prefer to work with people. It is a mix because naturally, although you'll have like your front facing messages, you'll typically attract different kind of people anyway. And if they need help, then I'm going to help them. But um, typically, I try to work with people that are already solving problems in some capacity so typically doing maybe one-to-one coaching or consultations that kind of thing and getting those people to scale basically so that they're not always having to deliver the information themselves so helping those people figure out how they can take that their vast expertise and turn it into something that is still going to deliver a great transformation but it just doesn't need their input to be able to do that yeah this is a, a really great way for people to leverage their time. Now, um, you may or well, you may agree with me that I think things were very much going in that direction anyway. I think from what you say, you inferred that uh, also. Uh, and maybe things have been a bit more super accelerated by the events of the last year or so. And uh, so is that what you think as well? Do you think things were they've just got a bit more accelerated now that more and more people are operating online? Yeah, 100%. It was, they were forced to, both from a business point of view, because they could no longer deliver their stuff face to face, if that's what they were doing before or, or anywhere offline. But also from a point of view of users as well, more and more people were being forced to go online to find solutions to the problems that they had. So people were very quickly realizing that the online space is a really good place to do that. So yeah, I mean, the, the growth of the e learning industry is just looking huge. Um, I haven't seen any rejigged numbers but i would guess it's accelerating a lot quicker because yeah i would say by a good few years at least because people are realizing that both on the user side and the business side that it is a great place to get information and to sell information yeah yeah um i think uh, our, our two lines of work uh, coincide very nicely you uh, show people how to do the courses i, I help people how to present them so that people don't fall asleep um, yeah, it's, it's uh it's all good stuff um what just to help people get a realistic idea of what's really involved in this what what kind of um income expectations are are realistic from creating online courses and programs these days that's a that's a big subjective question that one because it it can entirely depend on excuse me the industry and you know how much they go all in with it and what you build off of it because the course doesn't have to be the only part of the business so for example if people are selling services already whether it's one-to-one coaching or consultations they can still do that but they can just feed that business with a course element too so from the courses specifically again it depends massively on the on the price that you're selling it for but honestly the ceiling is pretty high in most industries certainly looking at like general day-to-day job kind of salaries anyway yeah it's Interesting. And I know we've spoken about this uh, online before now. It's interesting that, that you mentioned about providing value for, through these kinds of programs, because certainly there are many courses out there and a lot of them selling for big bucks that aren't necessarily delivering value. Uh, some of them are really delivering a lot of hype and uh, a lot of big promises, but not actually delivering the follow through and doing it in such a way that I think people are uh, 
coming off these courses thinking there's something wrong with them and that other people are getting successful from doing these things and uh, and maybe even feeling a bit of animosity towards the online courses and education side of things as well like assume you know like one one bad apple spoils that spoils the whole crop right so what are your thoughts on on that particularly that there's more than one bad apple probably but um, <laughs> it's like that is it gary vaynerchuk that said um marketers ruin everything yeah and that's that's kind of what i see in this space because most people most of the successful people in this space are talking about um making money and they're 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 bringing people into their world and selling their offers on the dream of the money that they can make and how quickly they can make that but they talk very little about you know, making a difference for those people and actually delivering what you promised and that kind of stuff. So what I don't like about that, as you as you rightly pointed out, is that when you're sold this dream that maybe they can achieve this big thing very quickly, which in the vast majority of cases you can't, it takes a long time to build that up. The person comes in, but then they think because it's not working as quickly as they like, they think that they are the problem. And that's one of the things that really, excuse me, pisses me off about the way that they do business because it's it's getting people down on themselves and thinking that they're flawed and that they can't do it when really they just needed to put in more time and they would eventually get to that stage or they, they could potentially get to that stage if they're putting in that time. But yeah, yeah it's, um, there's a lot I dislike about it. I, I post fairly frequently about stuff I dislike about this industry in general, but it's, it's a positive on my side because it gives me something to contrast against. And right. this week is a prime example. This week I'm running a workshop, a free five day workshop for people to come in and start to, find out what they could do with their expertise. And I'm already getting so many messages from people saying how refreshing it is to hear from someone like me that they can see has integrity and that kind of stuff. So in that sense, because I'm so contrasting to those people, it does help me. So while I while I very much dislike what they're doing to people, being able to show my side of things definitely helps me in the long run, I would say. Yes, definitely. You know, when I when I first got into the world of coaching and personal development, there were so many people flooding into that space, especially because I guess around that time, it was uh, around the start of uh, of a recession. And I think it was like the, it was about maybe 2007 that I really sort of started getting active as a coach. And um in, in that space, especially when around 2009, where I started moving more into full-time coaching, there were so many people coming into it who had no certifications, no experience, no no good reason to call themselves a coach. But because it's an unregulated business for the most part, you can just call yourself whatever you want and start coaching people uh, yeah. and doing, doing the work. The reality has been that most people haven't stayed the course, that those people will come and you sort of feel, okay, well, these people are around. They may give the mark, they may even give the industry a bit of a, a bad name for a while, whilst there's people out there doing something that they're not really a, able to do properly or effectively. Maybe it's the same here as well with online courses and programs. <laughs> Realistically, people will get the bad names, people won't stick around, or they won't really make the money from it because they don't know how to deliver the value. And so I think probably things will straighten themselves out, right? I would like to think so. I certainly hope so. I think people figured out that you could make money quite quickly by just being a good marketer and not having to deliver something good. It's real short-term thinking and I just couldn't possibly operate a business like that. But um, yeah, like you say, I think more and more people are getting wise to it because especially since being in this industry, like seeing the kind of comments that I see on like the typical sleazy marketers, people are 
are seeing the trends now. They're seeing the the tricks, if you like, that they're using to get people into their world and to sell them on stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that things will certainly start to get better. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's a good thing that we have uh, people who are making <laughs> currently making a career out of uh, online videos and the likes exposing the people who are who are running the scams. So that's yeah. that's kind of I interesting. Exactly I wonder, you know, that's that's got to be a make while the making's good. But uh, uh, maybe there's enough people doing the scammy side of things that they can keep going indefinitely. Uh, but I, I would hope not. Uh, at some point, uh, hopefully, we can. Uh, clean up the industry but what's interesting is that there's a, a book by a guy called andres oppenheimer and it's called the, the robots are coming and in that book he talks about the the introduction of artificial intelligence and automation robots that um, that most jobs are going to end up being replaced if they can be replaced by automation or uh, ai anything like that they will be and there are certain jobs that probably will never be replaced by AI, never completely anyway, because of the need for empathy and human connection, that even when, if we know it's not a real person, uh, we lose, we start to lose that. So um, one of those is education and the other is entertainment. And what we do in terms of, like I do presentation skills and public speaking, but I also do some online programs and your online courses and programs as well. They kind of come into both. They're they're at the axis of education and entertainment. And do, do you think this is a good place to be future proofing yourself? Yes, because no one can replicate you, and people will always come and buy from you because of you. So anytime you can start to intertwine more of you in that commute, that um, human connection, and if you're helping people get a transformation, then some level of support, you're always going to be above like some, you know automated thing or something someone's just thrown together that they just get to go through at their own pace so in terms of creating an experience it's so much more valuable to have that more human connection for sure i i would say so and i think that's super important uh, and and i'm glad you think so too I, i'm wondering though i know a lot of people come into courses and programs and over the years i run many for myself and for other people with some strange expectations or very unrealistic expectations um what what are some of the without naming and shaming people what are some of the crazy expectations or at least unrealistic expectations that you've encountered from people who want to do this I th- you mean people that come work with me um or want to come and work with you yeah um you know what i haven't really had any huge ones quite yet because i think I'm very upfront from the beginning that this takes work and it takes time. And I get, I talk about those messages all the time and I call out the marketers that say you can make six figures in seven days or whatever it is, whatever they're talking about. Um, so yeah, honestly, I haven't come at, no one's come to me and said, I want this massive lofty goal in this tiny time frame. I just haven't found that yet. So I guess yeah. I'm lucky in that sense. You are. I mean, I've had people in financial freedom programs and stuff who expect to have financial freedom within a month. It's like, oh, oh yeah, let's just ignore that uh, $50,000 of debt you've got there or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's very realistic. Um, <laughs> so, no, you do, sometimes do have to reset people's expectations. So uh, good that you haven't had to come across that too much. But I think people... People like to hear that you can make stuff happen quickly. You can get the results pretty quick. Um, They don't like to hear that it actually takes a a fair bit of work. What is the reality in terms of the amount of effort and energy that goes into creating an online course or program? The kind of programs that I create, I say a minimum of six weeks to have your program designed and out there making sales. 
That doesn't necessarily mean finished because we can sell programs before they are actually finished, which is a whole conversation in itself. But yeah, that, I typically try and get people in a minimum of six weeks to that point where they've got their first version out into the world because that's the other critical thing is getting your version one out into the hands of the people that need it because that's mm. what's going to help you craft a better product moving forward. So yeah, six weeks is what I tend to go for. And that's we're just talking about like the first few sales there. If you're starting from nothing and you don't have any following or email list or anything like that, realistically, in six weeks, yes, you can have your program created in terms of sales. It just depends what you can leverage in terms of your network to make those sales. But we're just going to be talking a handful of people in that first version, which is absolutely fine because it's a mm. base, again, to start working with those people to figure out how you can scale things moving forward. Yeah. So, I mean, six six to eight weeks is not a long time. I no. mean, that's uh, around the two, one and a half, two month mark. Um, so it's interesting that people might think that that was quite a long time or that they don't want to have to wait that long. And uh, I know I mentioned to you a little while ago, I was on a, a webinar with someone saying, you know, turn it around, get your online course ready in 24 hours. and thinking, wow, that's great. Uh, I guess it must be some sort of high intensity kind of thing of do a two day slog or something to get your program out. And it was uh, it was ready done ones that you just had to record and publish out there. Like, oh, no, that's really horrible. Um you know, un unoriginal material, uh, creating other other people's stuff. Whereas, you know, your, yourself and the kind of courses that I would create and put out there, uh, very much original material, not uh, not teaching or not just repackaging what someone else has created. Uh, and I think that that's super important. Uh, what, in terms of online courses and programs, what kind of things are selling well? In, in what sort of areas would it be good to think about creating an online course or program, do you think? Oh, man. I'm yet to find an area where I couldn't come up with a good idea for a course in it, honestly, because if you can, the way that I design them, you start with the end in mind. The very first step in all of it is to define the transformation that you want for the person coming through that course. And if you can define a transformation that you want to get for people and it's you know a big enough gap from where they are now, people will probably pay to shortcut that time and get to that point. So there's there's so many different applications for different businesses. I was on a podcast a few weeks ago and we were talking about I was talking to mortgage advisors and we was talking about how you could potentially create a course on improving your credit score, which is going to help them solve a problem, which makes your service the next logical step. So there's, there's, it's all about just, help, again, helping people and providing value and showing them what you're about to move them to somewhere they're trying to get to. So in that yeah. instance, step one is improve the credit score and then they're going to come and work with you to go and get a mortgage from somewhere so that you can just get really creative. And there's I honestly don't think there's many instances where you couldn't create an online course to deliver a transformation because there might be places where the interaction with the with the coach or whoever it is is entirely necessary. Or then, okay, well, then don't try and solve that problem with a course. Maybe scale it down a bit and just solve a few of the problems with a course so that you don't have to deliver that part of it. So, yeah, like I said, it's a, I feel like I'm, I can find a way to incorporate a course in some fashion in, in almost any industry that I've thought about anyway. Okay, great. So if somebody comes to you and says, you know what, Dan, I'd really like to create a course, but I really don't know what I would create a course about, where would you start with them? Exactly that spot. So the, the first thing I get people to do is to craft what I call a transformation statement. And it's just basically saying who you want to serve, what you want to help them with, and why they should care. And this is the first kind of anchoring point for everything that you do moving forward in terms of what you deliver to them uh, in the product itself and how you talk about it in your marketing too. 
So it's again, it's about defining what you want the endpoint to be for those people. What is a realistic endpoint that you can get for people in a specified amount of time? It doesn't have to be like achieved in that amount of time, but in terms of these kind of experiences where people are more going through it at their own pace, that kind of stuff, we're talking four, six, eight, 12 weeks, that kind of thing. What could you deliver for someone that's going to get them closer to where they're trying to get to in that time frame? define that transformation and now simply work backwards and figure out what they need to be able to get there in that time frame. Right. One of the things that I know I've had some struggles with, and I certainly have come across other people having this issue as well, when it comes to delivering the content is perhaps over delivering or over sharing. So you're saying you know, maybe just don't don't have to give them everything, don't have to give them more. I think that's an important, an important part here. How do you know, how do you gauge what's the right amount of information or right right level to put it out at? Truthfully, the, the first version and the first couple of versions, it's just your best guess. But what I get people to do once they have that end point is to then work back and figure out the pathway first. So thinking of like the typical stages that someone's going to go through to go from point A to point B, then I get them to start thinking about what's the big progress markers or milestones you want them to achieve along that. And then again, it's just coming back to those smaller pieces and thinking what's the minimum information they need and what's the minimum steps they need to take to actually you know, take those steps and keep moving along. So again, initially, it's just going to be your best guess. You're going to get stuck in that period where you're thinking, oh, is this valuable enough? Am I giving enough? I want to give more to show more value. But the value isn't in the knowledge that you're giving them necessarily. It's in how quickly and how easily you're getting to that transformation that you're, they're trying to get to. Yeah. So it may not be that they get the full transformative package from the online course or program, but that they they start they start their journey of transformation. They start to weave the chrysalis, as it were, and, and start their road, start on their path to transformation. So that, that's great. And I think it's really important to understand. Is it something that you would recommend that people could make a career solely out of creating online courses and programs? Or do you think it works best if it's adjacent to another business or career? I would say it depends what you want from it, because I know there's going to be a lot of people that, again, I keep coming back to the coaches and stuff, but people that are working one to one, they might love doing that work and they never want to give that up. The difference is when you've got a course in front of it, that's still you're giving people a different option to come and work with you. You've got another product that can now scale and that's going to feed your one to one services where you can maybe start to be a bit more choosy about who you work with. You don't have to work with everyone because you don't need to because the course is propping that stuff up. So in that sense, it it serves the one-to-one stuff and the, the service-based stuff you're doing there. You can definitely create businesses solely on one digital product. It's just whether you want to do that is all. Um, that's kind of the situation my motorcycle business is now on is now in because I'm a bit more hands-off with that. So that's kind of mm. just ticking over with that one product pretty passively at this point. Um, so that's how that business is set up. So really, it just depends on what purpose you want the course to serve as a whole for the business, whether you just want it to be the business or serve some higher purpose yeah out of all the online courses and programs that you've either helped people create or have ever come across and and apart from your own what's the most unusual online program that you've ever seen somebody create or have out there in terms of the subject yeah um i don't know if you call it unusual but i literally recently bought a rubik's cube course from someone who was actually one of my past students, which was actually really good. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. Dog training. 
I guess mine is pretty out there. The motorcycle riding techniques of again in a very offline based industry. Yeah. Nothing too crazy that I can remember. I mean, I would have seen hundreds over the years because I've been part of these communities for a long time now. But yeah, nothing that makes you kind of stop and double take. I would say <laughs> there is one that there was one that I've seen that did make me do a bit of a double take, which was uh, I think it was a, an Udemy course. It was uh, um, an online program to teach Reiki. Uh, really? Um, okay. <laughs> it's like, I'm not not really sure. I'm not really sure how I feel about that as being a real thing anyway in the real world. But it's like, yeah. there's an online program to do it, of course. And, and and I certainly know from people who do that and who teach it that it's very much an in-person kind of thing. There's like a very much an energy transference kind yeah. of element to it in terms of the people who do believe in it and follow it. And uh, I, I couldn't imagine working in an online program. So that one took me by surprise when I saw that. Uh, but, it, but it's incredible. Um, do you think perhaps the online uh, education industry is becoming a bit oversaturated because of so many of these? I don't necessarily think oversaturated. Well, in my eyes, such a small percentage of them are actually good <laughs> that I think that if you can go and create something that is good or even great, you're going to stand out because of that. So mm. in terms of letting that put you off, I wouldn't say that you should do that. Also, again, because you're if you're the leading face of the business, people will come and work with you because of you. So there's definitely that aspect. Um, it definitely feels saturated now that I'm in this space myself. So in the motorcycle space, I was the only person doing like really going all in with the online stuff. So right. it was very easy to stand out. Whereas now I'm in a, a sea of people talking about creating online courses, but I'm still making waves and still attracting people that are like me that are coming to work with me. So if, if I don't feel that that's oversaturated, then again, I don't feel like any industry would be in terms of online education. Yeah. P people ask me similar things about podcasting, to be honest, and uh, the the numbers for podcasting. In fact, I just put out a show uh, just at the weekend with uh, someone where we talk about the stats and, and this podcasting um, conference that I'm uh, taking part in this week is also discussing some of this that um, whilst there are like well over one and a half million podcasts and, and countless more episodes, the something like eight out of nine podcasts never actually get to 10 episodes. So, I mean, you think that uh, sounds like, oh, yeah, there's loads and loads of podcasts out there. Yeah. But like you say, maybe a lot of them aren't actually any good. And certainly a lot of them have these, I think a lot of people come into podcasting with these unrealistic expectations, thinking it might just take them six to eight weeks, like it might with an online course, and they're going to have their podcast and be making money from it. And they'll be rubbing shoulders with Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan and the likes. Is, is completely unrealistic. And I think when people start to get the reality of what's involved in it and rec recognizing it's much more uh, different to online courses, is much more of a passion project, although it can be used very well professionally. Um, the, the reality is a big wake-up call to people. They're like, okay, this isn't something really that most people could go into and just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a make an absolute mint in it and certainly wouldn't be something to approach. Whereas if that is something you want, I think the online course world could be great but again a market that seems saturated but in reality when you look at quality uh, over quantity perhaps isn't so isn't so saturated so that's a really good point and as a consumer then of online courses how do you get to recognize what's good and what's valuable against what's not sadly experience um, because you start to see what a really good program looks like when you start to get in it in terms of how it's designed the support you get you get um, avenues for feedback to get assessed whatever it is 
you get to see it over time. Um, yeah, I mean, but honestly, I don't really think I've joined many that because I've joined a lot over the years because I've been doing this for a long time now. I don't feel like I've had any that I thought were terrible. Hmm. There's definitely ones where I felt could be improved, but I still got enough value out of it to warrant the price typically. But I'm quite cautious in my buying habits anyway, and I'll do a lot of a lot of digging and really consider things that way. So in that sense, it might have guarded me from that. Whereas if people are kind of getting caught up in the marketing and all of that stuff and they're just impulse buyers a bit more than I am, that's when you might get burnt. But um, no, I think, yeah, until you get in and start diving into the programs themselves, you won't really see what good and bad really is because that program is supposed to deliver a result. So until you yeah. go through it and try, you're not going to know if it's actually going to work for you. So, and and uh, unfortunately, this is one of the, the biggest issues in the personal professional development world yes. of, uh, you know, the, you just don't know until until you're in there trying it, which is, I guess, one of the reasons why so many people offer refund guarantees, money back guarantees and the likes. Um, I think that's probably probably a good thing to do for, for many people. But also, I do know a lot of people get to a point where they they'll buy courses and programs and then not actually invest the time in them anyway so i think a lot of people don't get to find out whether their courses and programs are any good or not because they never start them and sometimes they do sort of fade away from them very quickly and so it's only really the people who go th- go through and actually complete them who are ever going to find out if it if it was any good or not which uh, which perhaps is a bit unfortunate because you know you you think well oh, check testimonials and um what people are saying about it and stuff and yet people can be, do a very good job of uh, sort of manicuring the the figures and the testimonials and making everything look um like yes. it's really good or even bringing in fake testimonials and so again you you think you can trust the uh, the reviews and the testimonials and and you can't always, unless you really can get clear that these are th- they're from real people and that you can actually uh, check them. And again, I think there's more things coming out about that. Um, in the UK, there's Trustpilot. Is that something that would apply to uh, online courses and programs, do you think? I definitely think it could. I've personally never tried to incorporate it myself. Um, for me, it's about showing them before I ask them to buy anything from me what I'm about and how I can help them. So typically that means delivering either value from my content or if I'm putting on these experiences where I'm actually helping people make steps before ever asking them to buy from me. So they're getting to see me, they're getting to see how I work, they're getting to see my knowledge base, and then they can start to form a picture of whether or not they think I can actually take them to that point. And then I present them with the offer. So in that sense, yes, testimonials and case studies are great and they should definitely be leveraged in our marketing. But a lot of it too comes from just showing what you're about and how you can help those people. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my audience are in the personal and professional development world, coaches, speakers, trainers, and the likes. And so for these are people who are very likely to want to create courses and online programs and quite often do. And in that market, if you mentioned about there's a difference between if you have a list and if you don't, if you're just getting started and you don't have your list, you don't have your following, how can you then go about? I mean, I, I would imagine from my own experience that getting the course made and and published is one thing but then the work really begins when you have to start marketing it so that's why i say to do that before you actually start creating it so when i launched my program for the first time i literally went out to people in my network and said i'm thinking of creating this thing i'd love to hear what problems you're having around creating courses and then i get them onto a call i start relationship with them i serve them on that call and help them for any problems they might have at that point in time 
And then I just circled back with them and offered them to come in as a founding member. And that's exactly what I did. And I got my first five members off the back of that. And then I was off to the races because of my first cohort and I could work with those people and figure out how to make improvements moving forward. So in that sense, if you haven't got a big following and all those things, I would just leverage any part of your network that you that you think you can, anyone that you know that you think might be interested in what you're going to be doing and just go and speak to them. Just treat them like friends and just try and help those people and then offer them a chance to come and work with you. And I think uh, maybe right now, at least, things like Clubhouse could be very useful for that. Uh, I don't know if you're on there yourself, Dan, but uh, it's a place where you can open a, you could open a room and say, hey, I'm thinking of working on this, wondering what kind of problems people are experiencing, and just open a room and see who drops by and uh, and start start working and talking to people. Yeah, so I'm not on Clubhouse because I'm not sure if it's made it to Android yet. But um, no. I haven't made, <laughs> no, so I haven't made it in there yet. But uh I did the same thing basically in a Facebook group, a Facebook group where I'm trusted. So I wouldn't necessarily say go and start spamming Facebook groups saying you're thinking of creating this thing. But I went into this group where, where it's like a good little community. I know the people I've met many of them in person before. And I just said exactly the same thing that I'm looking to get people onto calls to learn about the problems they're having and how I can help them best. And then from that point, a lot of the, the customers I got came from the post in that group. Yeah, that's a, it's a great idea and a really a really nice way of doing it. And so you already start to line up some people who are like, all right, let me know what you're doing and uh, could well be interested in that myself. Um, you talk about delivering value with this, which uh, we sort of said, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't doing that, but there's good people who are. What what are your opinions or, or thoughts about um, the future of online education. You said you think it's a growth industry. Do you think it's like a big growth industry? Do you think it's going to be ultimately replacing formal education uh, systems? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? That is a really, that is a really good question. Um, it's whether or not the establishments will make those changes, I guess, is the, the bigger question there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I, th- I just feel like people are finding it easier and easier to use the online space to make change positive change in their lives and and learn about stuff so i definitely think it will continue to grow where it will get to i'm really not sure i feel like i don't know just from because i've got a lot of teacher friends and they don't feel like they get the same level of attention from their students when they are doing stuff online so i don't think it will ever go away completely in terms of the schooling system but in terms of people being able to solve problems and and make changes in the lives they want to make or the businesses, whatever it is, I definitely think there's a long way to go with the size of this industry. Yeah. Now I've, I've had on, on the show before and and just recently brought this guest back onto my new, uh, new podcast as well. uh, Lauren Waldman, who is a, a neuroscience translator. And she's one of these people who is helping course creators to understand the latest developments in, in learning and neuroscience to be able to deliver and construct courses in a way that people can best consume them and understand them and get value from them. What sort of insights do you have in terms of that sort of maybe meta-learning things about how people learn and how to actually get people to follow through and work through a program? So for me, it's it's in how you construct it in terms of how easy you make it for them. So people want really simple steps. They don't want to spend loads of time trying to do something before they can make that step. So it's about making that experience as easy as possible and then layering certain things to try and keep them motivated, like um, future casting as to why what they're about to learn is important so that they actually go through with it and move through and do that stuff. 
for me that where a lot of people get tripped up is they think that the transformation happens in them just consuming information but typically it's consuming the information applying it in some form and then looking at the result you got off the back of that and adjusting to move forward from that point so it's a cycle really of, of learning an application and learning from that those results and that data that you get from taking those actions that's where the big learning comes in so it's about giving them information helping them make actual steps that they need to make and helping them assess the results they're getting as to what they should expect to see and what they should do in different eventualities, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's basically how you craft it to help them know exactly what they need to do next and be motivated to do it. Do, do you feel that gamification is important still in online courses? I'm not convinced because I think it's, it's, it is a, it can be a motivator, but it's not necessarily a motivator for the right reasons. Um, for me, I think the motivation should be progress and results. Yeah. So I help people get those progress and results and see them because that's the other important thing because sometimes people will learn stuff and make progress, but they can't see that they're making progress. And this was huge in the motorcycle riding space because what typically what they want is a faster lap time. They want to go around the track and they want to see a number that is smaller than the number they had last time. That's that's the big goal for them. And if that doesn't happen, they don't feel like they're progressing. So it's my job to show them that if you're doing these kind of things and you know you feel better because your eyes are really important in terms of how people feel, if you're using your eyes in the right way, you're going to feel more calm and that's going to ultimately lead you to higher places in terms of your ability. So I show them all the the progress markers and make them see that they are in fact making progress. And when they can see they're making progress, they're going to be motivated to continue. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, I think people may want to know this, especially if they haven't done an online course or program before, some of the practical elements involved in this, like what's the basic level of equipment that you would need to be able to create an online course or program? Basic, basic. I will say it depends on what you're teaching. So with the motorcycle stuff, it's very visual. So I had a lot of videos of me riding. I was doing diagrams and all that kind of stuff. But in this space, it's not entirely necessary to do all that. So just a a classic slide format and you talking over slides is perfectly fine to get started with creating a course. So in terms of what you need is literally PowerPoint or whatever the Apple equivalent is, some screen recorder software and a microphone, and you can start making videos. And in terms of like the website side of things, it has never been easier to set up a website and create a course with um, things like Thinkific, Teachable. These platforms are really, really good at just guiding you like a paint by numbers of how to set up your course, where to put the videos, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I get a lot of people that come to me and say, oh, I don't know the tech. It's like the tech is really not that difficult at the moment. So yeah, you really don't need much. If you're not doing stuff to camera, it can just be slides, talking over a microphone, recording your screen and talking over the slides, teaching your stuff, um, and then just uploading those videos into a course and, and structuring it properly, which is a pretty big conversation. But in terms of the stuff you need, it's really not a lot. Yeah. Um, Keynote is the Apple equivalent of PowerPoint. Okay. For, for, I say that for any anyone who's watching or listening who has Apple and has never used it, uh, if you're wanting to do a, a PowerPoint on Apple, that's the application you need, Keynote. Um, so it's interesting you brought up the different platforms for uh, for online courses because there are uh, there are a lot to choose from. And you mentioned some that I'm familiar with, like Thinkific and uh, I don't know if you said Kajabi, but I know that's one of them as well, um, Teachable and the likes. Um, and there are plenty out there as well who are maybe doing things a little bit of a slightly different way to them, but there are, there are numerous platforms out there. So 
how do you decide for yourself what's the best way to get started? Like which platform is the right one for you based on what you want to do or create? You know what? I would probably say most of it comes down to, to budget and time. So what's the what's the cheapest and easiest way to get going? Because truthfully, all of these platforms are good and they're going to serve the purpose of getting your content in front of the people that need it with some kind of structure. They all, they all serve that purpose. So I would I would honestly say don't stress about it too much. Pick one that you think has come into your into your view and is one that you like the look of and just run with it. There's there's yeah. really nothing else more to say on that. <laughs> the the advice I tend to give to some of my clients when they're talking about creating online courses and programs is to take a look at some of these sites, but don't register with all of them because they will they will put you into their nurture sequence and you will be getting a, a bit of a flood of emails from multiple sites. And I think that can end up, not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but it, I just think it can end up being overwhelming. It is kind of just take a, take a look at some of them and maybe register your email with one that you think you like the look of and then investigate it a bit more. I think that's probably a good way to deal with it just so that your uh, your inbox doesn't end up exploding with <laughs> with information from online courses and programs. But the, the most important thing is to start, right? I mean, I think that's one of, one of the issues like you can you can wait till your course is perfect, you can wait till you have the perfect platform, you can wait till you have the perfect hosting and PowerPoint, but if you wait for all those things, you are leaving money on the table and you may actually never end up getting started. So I think you you've already implied this, but the the most important thing is to to get started uh, right away. Yeah, I think the the key thing for me is to keep taking imperfect action and be okay with the fact that you you're not a hundred percent sure if what you're doing is right because you're going to have that at every step along the way but again it's just about the action breeds clarity so by getting it out there and and really doing the work and getting it into the hands of the people that need it that's when you start to get the feedback that what you're doing is right or where yeah. you can make positive changes yeah yeah i mean you, you had mentioned earlier that you're you know um try out 1.0 is going to, probably going to suck and need improving. Um, when, when I started doing podcasting, you know, you could go back and listen to some of my very first episodes of this podcast. And apart from that, you will know it's me. Um, it's very different to how it is now because I've learned so much about this. I, I, I And I didn't know anything much about podcasting when I started. Um, but it just got started. It just got started and figured stuff out along the way. Whereas if I'd waited until I thought that I'd learned enough and had all the right equipment, I, I might still be waiting to start a podcast rather than being in a position where I now have three different shows and uh, stuff going out uh, because I'm a big believer in just getting started and that done is better than perfect every single time. So uh, I think that's an important message. People don't want to suck at stuff, but you're not going to get anywhere if you're not prepared to at least suck or risk sucking on your first time out or at least just know that your first time isn't going to be fantastic. The second time probably will be. God, it sounds like I'm talking about losing your virginity, but um, <laughs> <laughs> in, in a way. Uh, but, uh, but you know, you get better and better at it all the time. God, I am talking about that, aren't I? So you get better, <laughs> better and better at it all the time as you go along. And that really is the whole point. So, uh, just to get started and improve as you go along, get get stuff out there and let it be imperfect, as you say. I think that's a, yeah. a great and with, with with version one, with the courses as well, you can communicate to your people that this is version one, this is your beta version. 
give them a hefty discount, tell them that they're coming in as founding members and that they are going to help you craft things moving forward. And people will be more than happy to jump into an experience like that. Some people even enjoy knowing that they've been coming in the ground floor and they're getting exactly what they need as they move through this. So in terms of, because I know there'll be people saying that, well, how can I, how can I sell it? And it's version one, it might be crap. Like just communicate with people, be honest with people, tell them this is your version one. This is something you're going to be working on for a long time. You get to get in now on the ground floor, get lifetime access to any future versions. Do you want to come and join? And a lot of people will say yes. Yeah. Now, yesterday on a group coaching call, uh, and I sort of start to start to wrap a bit on this, but um, yesterday on one of my group coaching calls, some, we, I was having a conversation with someone about uh, about her online courses and programs, and and what I my feeling on it, I'm not going to say who it was or what it was or what the course was about because it's so specific and niche you probably could actually find the person but um but just to say that my my feeling was that it was a bit too niche like there was such a such a specific market for it and the issue that she was having was around sales um how do you figure out if what you're thinking of doing is maybe a little bit too specific like if you're thinking of creating a a course on how to groom your cat for mac owners who like cycling on tandems and, uh, <laughs> and, and hiking with weights or something yeah know, i mean it kind of the, the, the first thing is it comes back to what we've been saying is that you don't know until you try but i don't know i i'm i feel like it's better to go too narrow than too broad initially and I feel like most people would settle on something that makes sense for them. So, cause like how many of people back when I started online in, in my space in teaching motorcycle training online to track riders. And then eventually I niched down again to new track riders that wanted to reach a specific level of riding. How many people would have said that that was too niche, probably quite a lot. So mm. in my own experience, it, you might be surprised at just how many people are a kind of, willing to do it but really it's just about looking out and seeing are people already paying money to solve these problems if yes then you can probably create something that serves that need in an online course yeah yeah it's interesting well once we come off air i'll, I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about that and you can tell me what you <laughs> think because this might be someone that i direct your direct in your direction um so as as we do start directing that i think you've shared a lot of great points on on the show today and given some really good insights into online courses and programs are there any um key points that you that we have perhaps haven't mentioned or that you want to recap before we wrap up today uh, i guess it's more of a broader thing of just approach this of thinking what does the person want to achieve what because what a lot of people do is they think i've got all this knowledge i'm going to put it into videos and that's my value it's not it's the transformation that you get for people. So bring it straight back to that every single time. What are you trying to get for people? Do people want to solve that problem? Are they paying to solve that problem? And then craft something to solve it in your way based on your expertise. So coming at, I always say, talk, talk about this in the sense that we need to become student results based businesses and building businesses on a foundation of the positive impact we have on other people. That's just the best long-term strategy, I believe, to creating something that is scalable and is going to be hugely fulfilling to like for your career. So again, bringing it back to the, the transformations and thinking of the change that you're making for your people and that, that guide you in terms of what you actually create. Yeah, I think that, that's great. And uh, that's the thing to start with and keep in mind all the way through and beyond mm. as well. Uh, let that be the center of everything you do with online courses and programs and, and more besides. Um, 
Dan, you really know yourself when it comes to online courses and programs. I appreciate you joining us today. People are going to want to be checking you out and finding out how they could perhaps get started in creating an online course or program and get some help with that. So what can they do? How can they get in contact with you? Uh, so you can just hit all the usual social channels. So my fast becoming my favorite social platform is LinkedIn. So you can find me on there. It's just Dan Netting. Uh, same on Facebook, Dan Netting, and on Instagram, which I don't use that much, but it's it's Dan Netting. Uh, but also, if you just go to dannetting.com, then you'll find um, I regularly run workshops, free five-day workshops, which does a lot of the stuff we've been talking about of helping people start to hone in on what they could offer based on their expertise. If you want to jump into that experience, we're running around, r- running one this week. It's just been such a good week so far. Just love seeing people do this stuff. Um, yeah, you can go to dannetting.com and actually sign up to that, which I'm not sure when the next one will be based on when you're listening, but I'm sure there'll be one coming up in the future. Yeah, just remind everyone what your name was again. Dan Netting. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Dan, thank you so, thank you so much for this. So you're easy to find online, easy to remember, and uh, people can go and check you out. They can join your five day program. Um, are there any resources that someone could could check out in addition to that that could help them to start thinking along the right lines for this? That's a good question. I'm reading a really good book at the moment called um, How People Learn. And it's kind of talking about a lot of the things that your friend was talking about, the neuroscience of learning and that kind of stuff. If you want to, that it, just learning on that side of things in terms of, again, because we're just trying to get people results, not just for our own fulfillment, but it is going to help grow your business because when you can prove to other people that you deliver on what you promise, more people are going to come and work with you. So yeah, a book right now that I'm really enjoying is How, um, How People Learn. Great. Do you, do you remember the name of the author? I do not, because I never look at the author. <laughs> I, know, I know there's one, there's one that I think, I can't remember if it's that one or if it's how we learn. Uh, there's a guy called Benedict Carey. I don't know if that rings a bell. Uh, if it's that one, maybe something else. Anyway, I'm going to be looking it up and I'll pop it yeah. in the show notes. I'll <laughs> pop it in the show notes for everyone as well so that they can get that, as well as links to come and find you on socials and all of that as well. And I hope people will will hit you up and come and find out more about creating online courses and programs. I think it's a, a great way to create a, additional income for yourself or maybe even a whole income for yourself in the future and certainly so many things moving in that direction. Um, Dan, thank you for giving us your time and sharing so much great information with us today. No problem at all. Okay, so let's wrap things up for today's episode of Speaking of Influence. And um, next next time on the show, uh, you'll be getting to hear from, uh, actually look out for the show from the Corporate Action Hero. Look out for the show from the Corporate Action Hero. This is a guy who has uh, uh, whips and nunchucks and stuff in his act and a really cool guy. So please look out for that. That's coming up soon. And I'll see you again very shortly on Speaking of Influence. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to like and subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It really helps. Why not grab yourself a copy of the last minute presentation checklist? If you want yours, visit presentinfluence.com and follow the download links. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who would or you're interested in sponsoring the show or finding out more about presentation skills, please contact me, john at presentinfluence.com. You can find me on Twitter at John A. Ball or on Facebook. Join the group Speaking Influence and come and find out more as well as getting daily content from me and updates on all the latest trainings and courses available. 
Also, check out my new podcast, Points of Change, all about life transformation and the people who make that happen. Lots of great conversations going on there, available on all good podcast players. Have an incredible week and join us again next time on Speaking of Influence.